you were not here last Sunday. So you're, you may be looking at this title going, Deserted Island Reading, what does that even mean? Um, so yeah, this is what it means. If, if you asked a Christian, hey, if you ever got stranded on a deserted island and you could only bring one book, what's the one book that you'd bring? You know what? Most Christians would say, well, I bring the Bible. And then if you said, all right, if you could bring the Bible, but you could only bring one book of the Bible, what would that book be? Romans. It would be Romans. Thank you very much, Ted. Um, and if you could only bring one chapter out of the book of Romans... It could be Romans 12, it could be Romans 8, but for this series, we're, we're preaching a series now on Romans 12. We're going through it verse by verse, and uh, so that's why it's called Deserted Island Reading. Reading, No, we're not asking you to go on a deserted island, unless you want to, of course. Um, but yeah, we're, we're talking about Deserted Island Reading, and this morning, my title is Changing Your Playlist. So I'd like to start off with Romans 12, 2. Ed preached on Romans 12.1. If you haven't heard Ed's message, for those of you that weren't here, I really encourage you to go to shilohweb.com, click on the Listen tab. Uh, you can go to Facebook, and it's Facebook Live, the whole service, or you can get just the audio downloaded at the, the website. Um, Romans 12.1 is a really impactful verse. You, you've got to read it. You've got to hear the message, because I'm, I'm not really going back to recap. I've, I'm moving forward into Romans 12.2, and this is what it says out of the NIV. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So as I look at this scripture, and as I was studying this scripture, I kind of break it up into different pockets. And maybe, maybe as you're reading it, you can also see, hey, let's take it in phrases and in chunks. So the, the first one would be this. Uh, first one would be this. My clicker's not working all of a sudden. How come? Nope. <laughs> wow. Okay. Something happened there. All right. Lost a bunch of slides. All right. So I'll tell you. The first one is do not conform to the pattern of this world. What does that even mean? Right? We want to look into that today. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That would be the second pocket. The third one is, okay, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and perfect will. So how many of you would say this morning, you are confident that you know what God's will is for your life? Yeah, look at all the hands. Some of us are, but you know what? Some of us, the reality is I'm not really sure what God's will is for my life. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. And it's getting shorter and shorter, right? The, the, the amount of years that I have left. Right, but God, I want to know what your will is for my life. And, and you know what? It, it kind of gives us an if-then statement. There's no if, but I see the then. If you can do the first half of verse 2, then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is. So here's what our goals are. We're going to cover don't conform. We're going to cover be transformed. We're going to look into what it means to renew our mind and why so that we can understand what God's will is for us. Amen? So if I look at Romans 12, 2, the second half out of New Living, instead of saying, uh, you know, that we are going to, new, uh, NIV said, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It says this, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So sometimes learning God's will, it's a process. It doesn't just happen all at once, right? It's a process for understand, understanding God's will, and it's frankly a process for us not to conform and a process for us to be renewed. So all right, we're going to jump right in. 
to the beginning part of verse 2 where it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's the NIV. The New Living says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. You know, how many times have you ever felt like as a Christian, it's just a bunch of do's and it's a bunch of don'ts, right? If you do this, it's great. If you don't do that, it's great. And, and we can get into a very work-based theology and work-based mentality about how God views us. But the interesting thing is when you go back into the Greek and you look at this pattern, something stands out to you that we would look at the world as our natural world. We look at the world as, okay, the, the things all around us. But this word in the Greek is aeon, and it, and it really is talking to the spiritual world, to the eternal world, that we're in a spiritual battle. And so many of us don't understand that, okay, why is it so hard sometimes that we feel like we're always swimming upstream? Because there's spiritual forces that are coming against us and coming against our Christian beliefs. And that's why it's so hard. And that's why the instruction is, hey, be aware that you're in a battle and don't let the battle overtake you. You know, if, if, you, if you know who your enemy is, you're more apt to be aware and waiting and ready. But if you're just walking, doo, 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 you know, and have no idea that there's an enemy out there, you're probably going to get mugged. You're probably going to lose your shirt off your back, right? And it's not going to be pretty. So this word world is talking about a spiritual battle. And I want to just read a scripture to talk about what that battle is. And then to say, okay, what is, what's the pattern of the world that, that God is instructing us? Hey, be aware of this. Especially that it's a spiritual battle and understand it and know how to fight against it. So this is what we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 from English Standard Version. It says, though we walk in the flesh... We're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So we're on this earth. We're walking as believers on this earth. And there's a spiritual battle that's all around us. It's an unseen battle because it's spiritual. It's not a physical thing that you can, that you can see with your eyes. But did you ever think, hey, why is it so hard for me to read my Bible even for five minutes a day? Really? Like, logically, it makes no sense. Why can't you read your Bible for five minutes a day? Anybody can do that. But how many of us do it? And we're like, oh, wow, yeah. It's a spiritual battle that you're fighting, right? It's a spiritual battle we all fight. Why is it so hard sometimes to show love to the people in your household that you love the most? And you're like, I, I can, you know, I love coming to church. I greet people. I'm like, praise the Lord. I love your brother. I love your sister. And then I go home and I'm mean to the people I love the most. Why is that? Because there's a spiritual battle that's coming against the fabric of family and the, family and the fabric of marriage. And we don't understand that sometimes. But that's what it's telling us here that, that not only do we walk in the flesh, we can wage war, but not in the flesh. We wage war in the spirit, right? And we have to understand and have our eyes open to that about how do we wage war. So here's the pattern of the world that Romans 12.2 is talking about when it says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. 1 John 2 would tell us this in verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. So when I look at the beginning of that scripture, it says, don't love the world or anything in it. If you love the world, the, world, the love of the Father is not in you. Okay, do you understand what he's saying or is that confusing to you? Because when I look at that, I'm like, there's no gray. It's like, okay, Paul, tell me what you really think. You know, he's just putting it right out there. 
and saying, guys, like don't love any part of the world. Because if you do, then the love of the Father is not in you. So what is that love of the world? It's the lust of the flesh. Let's, let's uh, break that down. What is the lust of the flesh? You know what? That's physical pleasure. That's if it feels good, do it kind of culture and mentality that we have. I, I don't often go and do our food shopping. I'm blessed that I have a wife that does most of the food shopping. But the few times I go, I am shocked when I walk through the, the checkout counter and have to pass the magazine rack. I, I don't know how people do it, right? You pass the magazine rack and it's sex and it's divorce and it's this. Like, there's all these bad things going on on that magazine rack, right? That's the world that we live in. That is the lust of the flesh, right? The physical pleasure. And isn't it interesting that something that God has created so beautiful, right? Sex in the context of marriage between man and woman as a loving relationship. The world has distorted that. And, and we think, you know what? God, I, I don't, I don't want to not have sex before I'm married. Why does God put all these boundaries around me and these fences? They're not fences, they're guardrails. He's trying to protect you. It's because he loves you, right? He, but the world has perverted his love for us, and, and we have this lust of the flesh. Now we have the lust of the eyes. You know what? I, I'll tell you, my biggest issue on lust of the eyes is when I turn on the TV and I see an infomercial, because everything on the infomercial is entertaining to me. I'm like, I need that. I need that too. I need that. Like all of a sudden, these things that I never knew existed, I need and I have to have them. And, and don't buy now because if you wait, then you're going to get something more. And I'm just sucked in. It's, it's an amazing attraction that they, I, I don't know how they do it, but it works on me. And I have to be like, oh, take the control from me, Meg. Turn the channel. My kids know this about me. It's, it's the truth. I, I, I really do love infomercials and I have to stay away. It's a big temptation. But why is that a temptation? Because we always want more, right? I gotta have nicer jeans. I gotta have the latest Apple Watch, the new iPhone, the better car, a house, maybe a bigger house, right? There's always something we're not satisfied. There's something on the inside of us. But you know what? God has placed that desire on the inside of us that we would have eyes of faith. That we would say, you know what? I want to speak of those things that are not as though they are. I want to command mountains to move and see them cast into the sea. He's given us that desire to speak things and to, and to believe for things. But our eyes in the culture perverts that desire. And now we want things just to feed our own flesh. And lastly, we have the pride of life, right? This is the passion to be significant, to be important, to be viewed with respect because of our achievements. But you know what? God wants us to know that our significance doesn't come from what we have. It doesn't come from how much money we have in the bank. Our significance comes from Him. And when we have that desire that we're like, God, I just want to be significant. Yeah, be filled with my spirit. I've made you significant. God says to each one of us that we're loved and, and He delights in us. We're significant just because of who we are in him, but yet the world will tell us we have to have things to make us significant. So do you see how the pattern of the world, there's a spiritual battle that we're in. All right, and Paul says in, in starting off in Romans 12, 2, don't conform to that pattern of the world, right? You're in a battle. There's a world system. There's all these lusts. Don't conform to that. Be aware. Open up your eyes that you're in a spiritual battle. And now here's what I want you to do about it. We're going to move on to the next step. What does it look like to be transformed? Oh, this is getting good. I'm going to preach myself happy here. All right, verse 2, the second part. But be transformed in the NIV. In the New Living, it says, But let God transform you into a new person. 
You know, there's a Greek word for that word transformed, and it's metamorpho, right? Kind of sounds like another word you know, doesn't it? Metamorphosis, right? And we have this wonderful example. I don't understand how God does miracles like this right in front of our eyes, and we're not all astounded every day. But you can take a caterpillar, and we've had them. Meg is, you know, when she's done homeschooling with our kids, she's brought caterpillars in and the, the grassy reeds. And we've watched this whole process as a caterpillar makes its cocoon and the chrysalis and all these things I can't even remember now. And then a butterfly comes out. And it's like, what just happened? This thing went from this ugly worm to a beautiful butterfly. And that's the picture that God wants for us, for each one of us as a believer, that you know what, you start off ugly, but don't worry, the butterfly is coming, right? So that's the transformation he wants all of us to have, but you know that the reality is this. I don't often see that kind of transformation in my life. I see this. I see baby steps. And I get really tired of baby steps. So then this is what I do. I try to put on a nice face and I try to put on a good show and I come in and I high five and I this. And in the meantime, I'm not feeling like high five. I'm depressed and I'm, I'm in agony and I'm in pain. But I don't let other people in because I'm supposed to be a Christian, right? So we start to walk this hypocrisy as believers sometimes. Instead of true transformation, we put on the face of transformation when inside there's no transformation going on. And there's something that, you know what, if you know, if you've been transformed, you'll know it when it happens to you because you're not the same anymore. That's the thing. The worm is no longer, when the butterfly is a butterfly, it's no longer like a worm. He's changed. He's different. And that's the beauty that I could see in Bulgaria, that they've been ministering to these people with the word of God. And, and Valerie used this word all week long, and I'm surprised she didn't say it, but she's like, it's palatable, the difference of gypsies that know Jesus and gypsies that don't know Jesus. Because these people have nothing, but when they get the hope of Jesus in their heart, their faces light up. Instead of just, you know, their, their natural face, instead of being this down face, all of a sudden they got a smile on them. They start to care for others in a way. Instead of, okay, I want to steal your stuff, now I want to help you. Right? There's a huge difference that takes place as they understand and, and get a hold of the work of God. And I think you know, maybe it's harder for us in America that we don't have such poverty or we're not all living in that kind of poverty. But God wants that transformation for us nonetheless. So now let's move into what does it take to renew our mind? How do we renew our mind? Because if we could get a hold of what this looks like, we could transform. We would be transformed from the inside out. It, it wouldn't be we've got to put on the facade. It would be a true joy that we have. It would be a true happiness that we have. Okay, even when the sewer backs up downstairs, I'm like, it's one more opportunity for great joy. You know my saying, right? In any kind of trouble, it's an opportunity for great joy. That's James. And we have another one downstairs. It's a beautiful thing. So how do we renew our mind? It says this, by the renewing of your mind, by changing the way you think. So a lot of times we'll look at our spiritual walk as we've got to do things. I've got to be active. I've got to go out on missions. I've got to volunteer here. I've got to serve in the church. And, and we measure our spirituality by how much we're doing. And you know, the transformation starts not in what you do. The transformation starts right up here. It's in how you think and changing the way we think. So our thinking first starts with recognizing that we're in a battle. Okay? So we, we understand that we're in a spiritual battle and we need to be aware that God's word, the Bible, it's alive and it's active. 
And as we pray it forth in our circumstances, you know, sometimes the word does not match our circumstances. Amen? Right? It says, if you commit your things, if you commit all your troubles to the Lord and, and, and give it to him, he's going to give you the peace that passes understanding. And all you got is troubles and you got no peace. Alright, so, so how am I going to go from no peace to peace? Alright, I'm going to do what your word says, God. I'm going to take this word. I'm going to pray this word. Father, if I believe and I pray and I turn these things over to you, I'm going to receive the peace that passes understanding and now I'm going to wait. I'm going to say, okay, God, I, I'm waiting for that peace. And you know what? When, when we start to change the way we think about life, to look at God's word and apply it, that's how our mind starts to get renewed. And we start to understand, okay, God is starting to work, but he's working on the inside. It's not that I got to go say, oh, I'm at peace and start to put on this false face. God, no, I'm praying. I'm praying your word and I'm expecting to see your word bear fruit in my life. So many of us will work on transformation in an effort-based uh, way, right? So I'll try harder through willpower, through self-effort, through religious activities and attempts to make my life look like I'm following Christ, right? Have, have we ever done that? I know I have. But transformation is not effort-based. It's relationally based. And this is what I mean by that. We need to learn the difference between trusting God and his promises and trying hard in our own energy to fulfill his promises ourselves, right? I, I can't fulfill God's promises in and of myself. I need God to do that. So why would, I, why would I put on the face like he's doing it when he's not? I, I want to go back to his word and say, God, I'm going to stay right where your word is. I'm going to keep praying this. I'm going to keep filling my mind with it. I'm going to change the way I think about it. And God, I'm waiting for you to do the work in my life because then it's going to be genuine. Then it's going to be a transformation. And, and you won't have to try to hide it. That, that, you remember when Jesus was transfigured on, on the mount? Right? He was with his three disciples and, and he was transfigured and he shone. You can't hide the fact when you're transfigured. When that transformation starts to take place, you can't hide it anymore. But it's a work of God's spirit. It's not a work that we, we try to do in and of our efforts. So let me give you another example. Why do sometimes kids grow up and they're just like their parents? Right? Did the kids say, you know what, I'm going to work really hard to have all the pluses of my mom and the pluses of my dad and have known minuses. No, they kind of have both. They've, they're just like their parents. You know, because they've been in relationship for a lot of years. You want to get to be more like Jesus? It's out of relationship that you do that. It's not out about, okay, kids don't grow up trying harder to be more like mom or like dad. It just happens. And it's the same way as our, as our relationship grows with, with Christ. We're going to become more like him. You don't have to work hard at it. It just happens when it's a natural thing. So transformation starts with our thinking. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works through us as we read the word of God. And you know what? There's one more component we need. We need authentic community because I, sometimes there's just times where I need you to hold my hands up because I'm going through a tough time. And there's maybe times you need me to hold your hands up. That's what happens in small group. We come together. We look at the word of God. We apply it. We pray for one another. That's where transformation happens, where we can find freedom. So relationship with Jesus. Let's just evaluate. What does your relationship with Jesus look like? Right? I've, I've been doing a lot of talking and kind of contrasting. Now I want to ask you to think about yourself. Do you have an effort-based relationship with God? Are you, do you measure yourself subconsciously at the end of the day as you're going to bed saying, okay, how many things did I do right? Oh, that one, that was a big one. That's going to be a big X in the, in the column of what I didn't do right today. 
God, I, I hope, like if you were to come back today, Jesus, would I make it to heaven? How many things did I do right versus how many things did I do wrong? That, that's not how God measures us. But you know what? We can look at ourselves that way, can't we? I do sometimes. And, and that's, the, that's the battle that we're in. The enemy wants us to think that way. That it's effort-based. You've got to do more. You've got to work harder. You've you got to keep trying. God isn't, God isn't keeping score. Romans 12.1 talked about us offering our lives as what? A living sacrifice or, or giving our lives in worship to God. God wants a relationship with us. He wants this love-based relationship because, you know what, it's when we, give, when we give our lives to him as an act of worship, now we're able to start to understand and to grasp his love. That his love isn't based on your performance. It's not, okay, how many things did you do well today? I'll love you more. God says there's nothing that can separate, separate you from his love. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're going to do. There's nothing that can separate you from his love. It's like, wait a minute. I don't know if I can really grasp that. God, really? Like if I blow it today, you're still going to love me. Yes. Now does God want you to blow it every day? No. He's not giving you license to just, okay, well, then screw it. I'll just keep blowing things day after day after day. No. When we're in a loving relationship, now it matters to me. I don't want to break his heart by messing up. Right? I, I don't, I don't want to do these things anymore because he's my savior. He died on the cross for me. I love this man called Jesus, this, this living savior, this father God. I love him. I, I don't want to do these things anymore. And instead of me focusing on the do's and don'ts, it's out of a love relationship that things just start to change on the inside. You see what I'm saying? That's the transformation that Romans 12, 2 is talking about. There's a shift that takes place. It's not we're trying to control our behavior by our willpower or by our effort. We're receiving his love. We're entering into relationship with him. And we're renewing our mind by looking at his word, by reading his word, by applying his word. So now I get to the title of my message, Changing Your Playlist. We've talked about a lot of things, and, and maybe some of us are, are further along the path, maybe some of us are just starting. But I can tell you that there's a process that we all go through, and the process entails us changing our playlist. So what do I mean, what do I mean by that? For our minds to be renewed when we meditate on God's Word and make it our own, what do we have to add to the playlist? Right? Maybe, maybe we're not reading God's word. Maybe we could be reading his word more. But you know what? If, if you're not reading God's word, there's no way you're going to be renewing your mind. Right? Because that's how it happens. It, it happens, this relationship. It matters what you do with God's word. Right? So, so what's in our playlist during the day? What are we listening to? What, what, are, we, what are our eyes viewing? That's a really important thing. And secondly... How are we going to limit the influence of the world? Maybe there's some things on our playlist we actually got to consider taking out of the playlist, right? Delete, delete, delete. Right? How many of you have got a playlist on Spotify or Pandora or somewhere, right? And you can, you can add things, you can take things away, right? That's what I'm talking about, that there's some of us, we've got to add things to our playlist and, and likely all of us need to take things away from our playlist as well. So let's talk about some practical things that we can do with regards to changing our playlist. First, to limit the world, we need to recognize we're in a spiritual battle. Amen? We need to be prepared and put together a strategy. So you never walk into battle without what? Clothing your body. Your armor. Right? Ephesians 6 talks about armor. If you're not aware of what Ephesians 6 has to say, write that thing down. 
Write, write Ephesians 6 and go home and read Ephesians 6 and look at what it says about armor. We all need to know this as believers. It's, it's not optional. We're in a battle. We need armor. Here's a radical idea. What about going on a media fast? Right? If, if Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TV and, and radio and, and all these things are just bombarding you too much and you got no time to read God's word, how about you just cut all those things out for a week? Now you might think, oh my gosh, for a week, how could I even live? You know, I had an experience growing up. I think I was 12 at the time. Um, my dad came home from work one day. We were all in the front room watching TV. There was only one TV in the house. And he came in and he said, hi kids. And you know what we all did? We're just staring at the TV. We never even acknowledged him. And my dad, he was Italian. I, I know I get this from him, right? He goes over to the TV, unplugs it, takes it, puts it in the attic. We didn't see the TV for five years, people. Five years. <laughs> I'm not joking. I am not joking. We didn't have a TV in the house for five years. You want to talk about a media fast? I'm asking you for a week, right? We didn't have a TV for five years. Okay, all of a sudden, all right, what am I going to do now? I got to find something else to do with my time. There's no cartoons. There's no, you know, nothing. No TV. Go on a media fast. What would that look like? So really evaluate what you read, what you listen, what you watch. What needs to change? What needs to go? All right, can we do that? So that's practical ways to limit the world. How about ways to renew our mind? First off is recognize God wants a relationship with you. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's not fences. Right? God says, I want a relationship with you. Romans 12.1 is so important because we give ourselves to him. In Romans 12.1, we're saying, I'm all in, God. I want, I want a, my life to be a life of worship to you. That's what God wanting a relationship. That's Romans 12.1. But Romans 12.2, renewing our minds, start with a Bible reading plan. If you don't have this little app on your phone, download it. It's amazing. There's Bible reading plans. If you don't have a smartphone, that's okay. Go take a Bible from the front here, open up to the Gospel of John and read for five minutes a day, ten minutes a day. I don't know, you pick. That's why I said X. That's a variable. Better yet, not only do you read it, start, start with a friend. Ask a friend, hey, can we do this together? And then maybe I'll text you at the end of the day, what's my takeaway? You text me your takeaway. That's a wonderful thing to do. We've talked, we had a series at the beginning of this year called Pray for One. I think sometimes we're only focused on ourselves. Let's pray for God. Who is it that you're calling me to today? Who's that one person that you, you want our lives to intersect for the reason that I could help them and share your gospel with them? As we start to get our eyes off of ourselves, that really is renewing our mind. And, and we're waiting on God saying, God, I'm looking for you to move. What kind of music is in your, your literal playlist, right? Do you, do you listen to any worship music? Maybe you want to delete some of the things that have all the, the negative words and negative connotations in them and start to look at some Hillsong or Elevation or Jesus Culture. Some, there's some great worship music out there. And lastly, you know what? If you're not involved in a small group, go to one. There's some that meet here at the church. There's like almost every night of the week. Get involved in a small group so you can discuss and read with others. Right? Those are all practical ways to renew our mind. All right, so let's take it home. If you abide in my word, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about how to transform our minds. 
and, and that it's changing the way we think. It starts with abiding in the word, right? So that word abide means to, to just be intimately connected to. We need to allow his word to fill our minds. We need to allow his word to direct our wills. We need it to transform what our affections are. Our relationship to Christ is intimately connected with what we do with our Bibles. Right? There's, there's no way you can abide in him without spending time in the word. It, they're just, they're connected. They're, they're really connected. So you have to spend time in, in God's word. And as you spend time in God's word, pray and ask for the spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me. Show me what this means. So I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeking transformation and not finding it. I'm tired of just trying harder and trying to do more and trying to, to work, work in more areas to try to perform. I don't want to perform. Right? I want to see lasting transformation. And lasting transformation happens in this way. I'll know the truth and the truth will set me free. So how many of you this morning would say, you know what, Greg? I don't know that I've found that freedom. I don't, I don't know that I've found the truth and I feel like, wow, I'm, I'm living this life of transformation. Why don't we stand this morning as we pray? And I'd like to ask you this question. What has to happen to allow you to renew your mind with the message that God loves you and he wants a relationship with you? What has to happen for you to spend time in God's word every day? How do you align your thinking to agree with God's word versus maybe what you're seeing in your circumstances right now? Let's close our eyes and pray together. God, as, as we consider your word, Lord, that, that you want us to renew our minds and be transformed, Father, that we would know your will. God, what does it take for us to take the next step in that? Lord, I know that there's, there's people here that are broken. Lord, we, we all have issues. We all have problems. God, it, it's just so frustrating not to see the change in our own lives. God, there's, we deal with sin. And it's the same sin over and over. It's habitual sin, God, and we're frustrated by it. We don't have the power to change even though we try harder, God, and it just feels like a constant circle that we're in. We're, we're on a spinning wheel like a gerbil. God, we're on the wrong wheel. We're trying in our own efforts and that's not what your word says. Your word says be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So God, we repent of our personal efforts, God, and we ask now in Jesus' name that you would show us what it looks like to transform ourselves by the renewing of our mind. Lord, how do we renew our mind? God, is it a media fast that we need to go on? Lord, I pray that you confirm that if it is. Lord, what do we need to add to our playlist? What do we need to take away from our playlist? God, we, we want your spirit to work in our lives. We want to be transformed. We want to go from that ugly caterpillar to that beautiful butterfly in you, Jesus. And I thank you, God, that you are the one that manages that process, that you don't let any of us go. God, that you love each of us with an everlasting, unconditional love. And we praise you for that, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So God, today is, as we close, Lord, I pray you put it on our hearts. What is it that needs to change in our playlist? God, what are you asking of us to do differently that we would start to abide in you and know the truth and that the truth would set us free? So I, I thank you, Lord, for these things. I thank you for your word. I, I pray you bless your people today. And it's in Jesus' precious and holy and powerful name that we pray. Amen. If you would like prayer for anything this morning, please feel free to come forward. We'd love to pray with you. And if not, have a great day and enjoy the great weather.